Six Nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six Nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. And to do that, British and Irish Lions, Saracens and England hooker Jamie George is alongside me. How are you, Jamie? All good, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's good to have you with us uh, for The Ruck. Now, Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. And Jamie is a Funding Circle ambassador because, Jamie, not only are you day-to-day a professional athlete, but you're also a business owner as well. Yeah, yeah. I uh, set up a business with a good school friend of mine about six years ago called Carter & George. Um, we're a physio business that effectively tries to deliver the same level of elite care that I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. So the link between physiotherapy and strength and conditioning and rehabilitation, etc. I've been looking for a physio, so... I know a good place. I'll get your card after. Funding Circle has supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So, Jamie, simply, how have Funding Circle helped you? Well, obviously, they've got an amazing um, financial product. So um, our most recent venture is is trying to grow the business as quickly as we can. We've got five clinics now and we're looking to push on. And obviously, we wouldn't have been able to do that without the help of a funding circle and um, the financial support that they were able to give us. So if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Okay, now it is all over. I'm going to start with the following sharp, uncompromising, to the point from a column in the Times this morning. On the verge of the World Cup, Eddie Jones stands on the brink of failure. Farrell lacked even the vestige of leadership in this period of 12 games as captain. England have capitulated on five occasions. It is a stunning indictment of England's inability to manage international rugby. I'm Owen Slot. Those words were not mine. Anyone here recognise them? It was a while ago since I've written the piece, but I vaguely recall the sentences belonging to me, Owen, yes. Very good. Barnsley, uh, yes. Uh, those were the words of Stuart Barnes. Your fingers dancing furiously across the keyboard yesterday, Barnsley. Um, still wound up by your losses at Cheltenham or frustrated with England? No, not at all. Cheltenham, I, I lost 40% of my pot and sometimes you've got to take the hit and uh, it's not the end of the world. Uh, England, um, they do frustrate me and... You know, people are saying, oh, I can't agree with that, talking about that. You know, it's not a matter of agreeing or not. And as I said, look, in those 12 games when Farrell has been in charge, England have capitulated five times. That is not a debate. That is not an opinion. That's a hard fact. Good. Well, I'm glad we've got Barnsley sort of uh, right on the fence as usual. Good man. Uh, This is a a kind of reunion podcast post-Six Nations. Adam Hathaway is back, uh, the most cultured greyhound owner in all of... This room, uh, new. It's fact- not saying much, though, is it? What? There's, there's country ground, right? Well, I'm trying to get CVC to invest in our syndicate because we're going a bit skint at the moment. 
New fact for Ruck listeners, Adam is actually a qualified doctor, or is it brain surgeon, Adam? I didn't um, get to the end. No, no, to... just, just say yes, I am. <laughs> I only got down to the sort of stomach area. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you didn't get to the top two inches, which is what England need help. No, exactly. So we can go to you for brain surgery then? If you yeah, start... yeah. Okay, excellent. And praise be, Jonesy has made it back from Cardiff in one piece via train issues in Dutchess. As ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jonesy, um, great to see you. You witnessed three legs of the Wales Grand Slam. How do you rate it? Where does it rank? Of its type, it's the greatest Grand Slam ever. And I say that because uh, they're certainly not the great fif- greatest 15 players that Wales have ever had. Um, I don't think anyone w- would ever suggest that. But to win the, all these games on the trot and the Grand Slam is a stupendous effort. Especially as at the start of the season, and this may or may not have been borne out, we all said that it was going to be a high standard of play. But in terms of making uh, a Grand Slam team out of um, s- possibly not the greatest uh, group of players Wales ever had, it's a stupendous achievement. And it was executed brilliantly by the players never ever looked in any trouble on Saturday it was executed brilliantly by by the backup coaching staff Sean Edwards' defence has had some terrible days but he he's worked out that he can reconstitute uh, and reconstitute and redo it for whatever the, 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 the mission is ahead um, and it was just inch perfect Was it I wasn't there we watched it in the press room at Twickenham was, was it as loud as the England game was it as as chaotic and, and, and atmospheric and, and brilliant? It was the, mo- the, the, the most amazing atmosphere I've ever seen, even at Cardiff. Uh, the, 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 the millennium was rocking, as they say, uh, in the modern idiom from way back, but they just sang all the way through. I've never heard the anthem sung unofficially towards the end, but that was done. And, and you can imagine at 10pm at night what Cardiff was like on, on Saturday. The atmosphere was stupendous and uh, the unity was stupendous. But you now hope that that's continued into the shambles that is Welsh rugby outside the Principality Stadium, mm. and, and etc. So, yeah, it was absolutely uh, fantastic. And again, inch perfect. Don't think I've ever seen a team um, so strangled and great players so put under so much pressure. Yeah, I think Steve's right. The shambles going on around Welsh rugby. I think that's one of Warren Gatlin's greatest achievements in this Six Nations. Is Getting the teams to win a Grand Slam when they're worried about their job, their day jobs. I mean, it's been absolutely tremendous. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. I also think, I mean, just finally, um, before I let someone else get a word in, um, Wales were going for the Grand Slam in this tournament. They weren't going for to show that they were going to be good in the World Cup or to get things right for the World Cup or to be... Or they didn't see it as preparatory for the World Cup. They wanted to go away with a Grand Slam because Warren was, Gatton was leaving and... They wanted to have that satisfaction. Now, every uh, I have to say this. I'm as guilty as this as anybody. There were two sets of fans on the weekend and two sets of, of, of rugby supporters watching on TV who saw two bloody fantastic games. And we should actually... We're quite right now to take it onto the World Cup. But blimey, no one gave a monkey's about the World Cup at Twickenham mm. uh, for a bit and no one gave a monkey's about the World Cup at Cardiff. Something, something curious happened, happened at Twickenham. When England were on that terrible sort of downward slide and, and you could see what was happening and you could see that they couldn't stop it. The um, the Twickenham crowd started really, really supporting them. That crowd that we generally think is quite quiet and, and, and doesn't really engage very much, though the swing low was about as loud then as I think I've, I've heard it for ages. Well, let's be honest, it's about time. And if you're paying 120 quid for, for a ticket, you should probably cheer. 
<laughs> I didn't hear it, Owen. My senses were stunned by the <laughs> tactical ineptitude of what was going on in front of me. Not, right. not your week right. at Cheltenham? <laughs> it was a Q&A in the Times this morning, which we Times writers had to answer a number, answer a number of questions. And one of the ones that really intrigued me was, and we're allowed to do this with Jonesy now because he says we can move ahead and talk about the World Cup, hmm. um, uh, was this one. Which European team is, is best equipped to beat the All Blacks in Japan? And so you've got your, you've got your great Grand Slammers on the one hand, uh, but do you think England have more potential to pull something off on the other? I spent quite a long time thinking about that, and I went with England in the end, albeit knowing that England could get 10 points mm. ahead of, the, of New Zealand as they did a few months ago, and completely blow it. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because you've got to look at rugby physically, but you've also got to look at it psychologically. And psychologically, this is one of the worst England teams I have seen. And Wales... Yeah, they don't men, score very many tries. They, but, but there's men, a lot they don't but, do. But, but hey, that's not the point, is but it? But defending, you know, you defend as well. Australia won a World Cup in 99 without scoring many points. If you have, you have to have something about your game that is exceptional. And Wales have that in their defence and they have it in a mindset. So it's very hard to actually to, to come up with the answer because England are undoubtedly physically number one, but Wales are undoubtedly psychologically number one. Now, I think England will not dominate everyone they play in the World Cup and if they get in a fight, they're likely to lose. Wales will be in lots of fights and they know how to win. I think Wales are the more likely team to win a World Cup now from this hemisphere. Jonesy, do you think do you think that England do lose the scraps, or do you think they lose when they really already think they've won? Because I think some of those close games, like I think of South Africa in in um, uh, in November, in Australia in November, were games that were tight when they haven't they haven't been able for a minute to take their foot off the off the gas. They haven't been able to relax. Then, then they've gone the full 80 minutes or as good as. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's not a question of, well, we think we won, we're going to dip. I think that they, that they, they, lose, um, they lose tempo and they lose their heads, they lose their mental edge. A, because um, they've got not that many decision makers. I still don't think they have not many leaders. B, because they are grossly, horribly overcoached. And yesterday... I thought about England in the World Cup. Uh, I let myself do that. I thought, this is good. They've got six, five or six excellent players to come back. What's bad is Eddie Jones makes an excuse after every game. The excuse this time was they still got the mindset 2015. What? You're going to bring in a psychologist? What? Uh, also, I read that uh, Eddie's delighted now so he can have the team for three months. I guarantee you the longer Eddie Jones has a team, the worse, the worse it becomes. Yeah. They, they should give him two months off, let these lads play for their clubs and Eddie should stop trying to be perfect because perfect, he can't be a psychologist now 35 players this guy's got to, got to learn deeply about before before they play their next game it's rubbish That's, that, that stuff about 2015 was the biggest load of baloney I've ever heard well I know um, Steve and Barnsley blame Stuart Lancaster for a lot of things but I can't pin this one on him hang on we think. <laughs> one more thing I think the best contender in uh, of these all these teams in the World Cup is going to be Ireland. The England, I don't think, for the reasons I just said. Wales, because I think there's a, just a slight lack here and there. B, because I think Ireland are, are, are tired. Uh, they've got a desperately slow back row. 
uh, Furlong is tired, the great um, meteor of the team. But I think that that I don't think they've gone. I think they can, they can come back and pick up again. But this is the Ireland team before the Six Nations. We were saying this is the best prepared team. They have the best opportunity because they can rest their players during during club weeks, etc., etc. Mm. You think that that was fatigue or mental fatigue or <laughs> Steve? The, the Ireland cannot bounce back unless Murray and Sexton find their mojo. And you are a man who, for many years, has said Sexton is not the man. Without <coughs> Sexton, it's not going to happen, surely. Well, I, I mean, you're, you're winding no, us up here, aren't no, you? No, I'm not winding you up. I, I just think I think Johnny Sexton, he's not, he doesn't produce it every week, and he, he does get down mental and physical blind alleys. And he was just terrible on, on Saturday, and they did well to take him off. But what I, what I was critical of him on the lines tour, but he, bound, he bounced back beautifully. And I think, I mean... If if you're a great batsman, if you have a, a run of low scores, it doesn't mean you've gone, does it? But I, I just think Ireland are not dominating collisions. And I just can't see them dominating collisions come a World Cup. They're going to have a quarter-final of New Zealand or South Africa. They will not win the tackle line then. They will not get past the quarter-final. And I think you know, they're going to have to be very good to slow Scotland down to make sure there's not a, Scot- a shock there. I think if anyone's looking for someone to blame for Sexton's form, they should... Uh probably sue the Rugby Writers Club because um, <laughs> Sexton was our personality of the year, came to our dinner in January, had a thoroughly good evening and he's never recovered. No, and a lot of us haven't. I agree with Jonesy. Sexton uh, can get it back. I think a lot's, he's, 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 in a, he's in a bad phase of form, but he's, as he's proved before, he can get it back. I think one of the interesting things for Ireland is that their dips come at the wrong time. Uh, one, one area I do agree with, jo- with Eddie Jones in retrospect is England's bad year came at the right time because he had enough he had enough time to go back work out the mistakes that that admittedly everyone in the ruck had been telling about for ages about re- about renewing his team and looking at the older players who weren't performing who he stuck with religiously and and Joe Schmidt I think is in that same period now but he hasn't got enough time to really work it through Ireland need front foot and their pack are a year older and they are not as physical and because of that Murray and Sexton will not have that split second they need and if they don't dominate, the Ireland game is all about territory and pressure and continuity of ball and I don't see them in any aspect of that game being half the team they were last year. I've watched the entire Six Nations now and I just think they are on a downward spiral and I think they're going to have a poor World Cup. So you've killed Ireland and Farrell in, uh, in one podcast already? I have not mentioned Owen Farrell. Okay, well, let's talk about Owen Farrell then. Um, two games into this championship, he was the, the he was the player of the year in waiting, wasn't he? He was he was the best player in the first two rounds of the championship, and he's been seriously influential in England losing against Wales and then failing to complete the victory against Scotland. Barnsley made the point today that that his he should not be the captain anymore. And I think that that's a uh, very well argued and and hard to disagree with. Where do you stand on that? I, I think actually probably he's probably better off as a, as a captain in the sense he's better than that than trying to sort the whole team out when it's gone wrong. But I mean they've not got a captain right for ages. Certainly mm. didn't get one right for the last World Cup. But he is kind of the, the ask any of the players and they'll tell you that he's their captain whether he's got an armband or not. He behaves as 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 the as the number one the leader the the guy that he is the guy they look to oh in four years ago when steve and i in particular were um savaging chris robshaw as a captain saying england couldn't win a world cup with him there when you talk to the players they said oh no robshaw set this example he's a man that is going to happen now 
He's part of the Saracens team, who are the finest team along with Leinster in Europe. They've been brilliant for three years. No doubt his quality's there. He galvanises them, but club and country, this is where Eddie Jones is right, are different things. And England are swearing by Owen Farrell, but they're a tight-knit group of lads. They're going to do that. It means it would be astonishing if any team said, do you know what, our captain's not the man. They all do that. Eddie's incoherence with you're out of the team or you're back, you're your 15-year-old player, you're in, sorry, you're out, you're in, you're out. Let's get a coach, let's get a psychologist, let's get a bloody cook. That incoherence is not helping anybody. Now, we talk about leaders. I've never been in a, um, the Welsh team uh, room or I've never been in the English team room. But when I watch Wales play, because I know that Ken Owens, for instance, is an absolute god in West Wales. I know mm. he's a leader. I know he's. I know he's a leader. Alan Wynne Jones is, is, is in the second row. Um, Justin Tipperick is, is clearly leader. And outside um, uh, Dan Bigger or Gareth Anscombe, you've got uh, Hadley Parks, who's clearly influential, and Jonathan Davis, who's a yeah. team leader as well. Now these are leaders. Also, there's no incoherence. If they were fit, they played every game. Eddie Eddie's, is a scattergun approach, and actually, I think that Tulangi is a really strong player. But uh, uh, when, um, uh, even though you and Halliday didn't listen to each other often, Barnsley, to have a twelve outside you who's scanning, who's looking up, who's yeah. chipping in, is brilliant. And I, do, I think Farrell is on his own there. Well, I made that point last week. You know, if England switch, they switch. Uh, Tulangi was brilliant at thirteen. I know it's only Italy. But he needs space hmm. in which to explode, to threaten. He's so deadly there. He has this great game. Eddie Jones moves him back to 12. You made the point. Eyes and ears, a key phrase for a 12. It's absolutely central. Now, um, Dan Carter, after the World Cup, said, everyone's said I'm a great player. But Marnonu, who's improved so much, he talks to me constantly. He's calling for short balls. He's saying, let me put the chip in. He said, my life would be so difficult without him. Now, Owen Farrell, when he's got Manu Tuolangi there, Tuolangi doesn't say a word. And Eddie Jones, it's almost as if the rest of the world sees the importance. Hadley Parks is another great communicator. The whole world sees the importance now of a 12 and his communication skills. And Eddie thinks it's absolutely irrelevant. It's astonishing. When England were, were, were scoring a, a point a minute plus against Scotland, the one player that didn't actually seem to do very much was Manu. I, I kept on waiting for him. I mean, he did run a couple of decoy lines which were very effective. Yeah, early on he did, yeah. Um, but I kept on waiting for him to, to come in and do something really influential himself. But go on, Hathard, are you, are you about to give, give us the bring back Ford Farrell? Um, um, no, I'm not. I'm just, I mean, Clive Woodward brought this up at the weekend. Um, he reckons that Owen Farrell's got too much on his plate. I mean, and it's particularly emphasised the point that Barnsley made about not having a 12 he's talking to. And then he's got a captain of the team, he's got to kick goals. He's the sort of heartbeat of the team as well. And maybe that's just too much for him to cope with. I mean, I mean at Saracens, he's, he's not captain. He's got Brad Barrett to look after all the peripheral nonsense. OK, let's just go across the panel. So, Barnes, you said in the paper this morning that you would have you would have Itoje as captain. You think yeah. that would be a, a solution. Jonesy, would you stick with Farrell and bring someone else in as captain? Or No, I'd start bringing locks in to captain every team. I think James Ryan ought to captain Ireland in the World Cup. Uh, and I think they need, need a new hooker. Rory Best has been wonderful, but I think they need a dynamic new hooker. And a, a, a Maro Toji would do me fine, as long as they let him do it. I mean, you know, Eddie ought to leave these guys yeah. alone and let them get on with it. And just, just one thing. There's always been a thing in the past. When the England team come, 
to England squad, are they being better coached than they were back in their clubs? Are they being better? Are the Saris players being better coached now than they are with Mark McCall at Saris or Rob Baxter at Exeter? No, of course they're not. You should leave, stand back, and let this team get on with it. And Marua Toji couldn't be a, a, a better man to lead them. Is there an argument for Dylan Hartley at all in this? When England played Australia in mm. November, there were co-captains, but Hartley's, Hartley was on the bench. When the game, when the game really started getting to getting to make or breaks of mid mid second half, Hartley came on. And England seemed to relax, or anyway, it, the game went really well. Is there any psychological just, dynamic where that could work? I just think it's Jones' cleverness again. Um, the problem is Jamie George is the best hooker in England now. Hmm. Uh, so you have to start with Jamie George. I completely agree. You, you have to start with Jamie George. You know, he was a Lions hooker in 2017. I thought he Gat- had a really good championship. Gat- Gat- Jamie Gatlin George. Yeah. knows his stuff. Understands how good he was. Hartley would be a regressive step now to bring him back there. Therefore, I think you've got to you make a bold move, you know. And there's still time for bold moves. France could make the bold move and get rid of Jacques Brunel. England could make a brave move and appoint a new captain. But above and beyond whoever the captain is, England have got to find a way to have, as Steve says, Wales have a spine of four or five leaders. And and what Eddie Jones should do is not get hold of them and stick them in their camp with Jones lecturing them mm. non-stop. He should bugger off for a while and let the players chat amongst themselves. And just work things out because at the moment they're being told how to play. They're not being coached. They're totally being treated agree. like children. The one thing I would say about Hartley is if you do have him on the bench, he's not exactly an impact player, is he? No. I, I don't think England have impact players well, anymore. No, sorry, of course they do. Finishers. But, 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 but Jones's finishers, they, they vanished this in this championship. They no, became replacements. So no, he didn't but, want to use them. But, well, we've got replacements now, but we don't have a first 15. We have starters and then blokes who come off. And the starters start like rockets most of the time. And then it's a damp scrub. Firework display goes out. I mean, you look to that bench. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Spencer, Tio, and Ford. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I think he has got to start at 15. He should just keep him on the pitch and stop mucking around. Mm. I agree with that as well. I think they're fit enough to keep going, though. Billy, well, they've got, Manu, they've got a week, they've got a week to train, haven't they? Puffing. Mm. Supposed to be professionals, Barnsley. Can Wales get better? Yeah, of course they can. I think they've got Falatau to come back. They've got Reese Webb to come back, p- p- potentially. I mean, that's kind of a, a big question mark. Well, they've uh, got... And I tell you, if you are a, if you are a team uh, with three months to play with, there's no excuse for having a crap line-out anymore, is there? That's the one thing they completely failed to uh, sort no, out you, during you, this. No, you're right. But I think, I think uh, in my opinion, Adam Beard came of age. Mm. Not seen much of him. He came of age on the weekend. He was tremendous in... Um, Defensive rucks, almost as good as Chartres used to be, but obviously they got Falato to come back. Now I, I'm in a minority of one, I know, but I <clears throat> everyone loves these uh, these two flankers, uh, Tibrick and Navidi, and my God, they're they're they're, they're vigorous, but I, I just don't think it quite works there. And I Paul, Paul Moriarty, I think, has been let's so, go Ross, let's go with uh, Ross. So, sorry, Ross, <laughs> Ross Moriarty <laughs> has been so good and so hard that I think he's bailed the two flankers out. And I think that when Falato comes back, he's a great player. Mor- Moriarty goes to six. Oh, I agree with you. <coughs> I absolutely agree with you. Any Moriarty that is, or even Mrs. Moriarty. <laughs> the whole family. Yeah. Um, I think I think they're in business. But even then, I think they'll really miss Sam Warburton. Because I think they miss that sort of player. But uh, they can get better. I think Beard can get better. Thomas Francis has, has been one of the great bonuses of the season. 
And Gareth Davis, once he's once he if he goes out with his puts his head in a bucket of ice before the game, uh, <laughs> can get better too. So they can get better. I don't think they've got the same ability to improve as say England, Scotland. You know, because I think they've got a bigger capacity to improve. I think Wales are probably almost at their upper limits. But with Faletau, it does change the, the the business a bit. I think Wales will be a lot better. I disagree with Steve there. I think. Um Last year, they played more attacking rugby in the Six Nations than we've seen this year. And all through the last 12 months, I've been thinking what's most impressed me about Wales is how they keep winning without showing their hand. I don't think Gatland has showed his hand. Um, And I think their defensive game is brilliant. And one of the reasons is that Navidi Tipperick thing... Their ability to slow opposition down is fantastic. And Alan Wynne-Jones was involved twice. There was Wynne-Jones and Tipperick. One making the tackle, the other getting the way. It happened once once with Wynne-Jones doing it, another time with Tipperick. They read the game so well. And I I think Tipperick has shown in this tournament that he's come away from the shadow of Warburton. He's, He's my outstanding seven in Europe. The great news for Wales is you can go the Moriarty... Tipperick or Moriarty Navidi route or you can go with those sevens what you have is 80 minutes of high quality back row and if Faletau's fit you've got to have a few world class players to win a world cup he fits that bill I think that makes a substantial difference to Wales and you know God knows if, if, if they get their scrum half back from Toulon suddenly those players they're falling into place I, I would not be writing Wales off I, I think they're New Zealand's most serious threat Six nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Ruck Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle and Saracens, British and Irish Lions and England hooker Jamie George is with me to explain how Funding Circle are supporting small and medium-sized UK businesses because Jamie, you, as well as being a rugby player, are also a small business owner. Yeah, I own a business with uh, a good school friend of mine, Rhys Carter. It's called Carter and George. We're a physiotherapy business. Uh, We've been up and running for about six years now. 
and sort of our strap line is delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. If you're looking to improve different parts of your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Jamie, you want to do the sign-off for us? Absolutely. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how I'm growing my business backed by Funding Circle. Hathers at 31-0 at Twickenham. Yep. What were the odds on a Scotland win? Well, England were 500-1 on at that point. (laughs) 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 As the bookmakers were um, very keen to remind us uh, on the final whistle when they sent out their press release, I don't know what went on in that second half. I mean, Scotland, no one gave them a prayer. In fact, the paper I was writing for said we don't really care about the Scotland match. Um, Just do a couple of piles on it. Well, because it was all about the Welsh Grand Slam at that stage. Yeah, and, it was, and all the England stuff was all about who's going to be in the, in the World Cup squad. Those plans were hastily revised. I don't know about Eddie needing um, psychologists. A few of the journalists in the press box needed them um, when they were frantically rewriting stuff on Saturday night. It was absolutely bananas. I, I thought watching it, it reminded me of, of watching Liverpool beat AC Milan in, um, in Istanbul in the Champions League 20, 2005. Yeah, you just sat there thinking, initially, this can't really happen, can it? it? Because England was so far ahead. And then slowly, it, it just dawned that it was going to happen. What was the balance between great Scottish attacking and awful, incoherent defending? It's not so much incoherent defending, Steve. It's the fact. England thought they'd won the game at half-time. And, and that's understandable. What happens then, they, they drop down through the gears. Scotland picked them off. And you just thought, what England have to do is just change their game. But England just, Farrell got faster and faster and decided to play Russell at his own game. And that just opened the field up. And so England's defence looked poor, but they'd lost control. Now, if, if Ireland had been playing Scotland, Ireland would have just said, for God's sake, boys, let's just pick and but drive how, did, how good did you think Scotland were? I mean, uh, Scotland, Scotland have, Scot- had a real hot and cold championship. Scot- Scotland were More- excellent, but England, in, in Cardiff... Their slow game wasn't working, but they didn't go fast. At Twickenham against Scotland, the fast game was beginning to hurt them because of Finn Russell and his brilliant ability to find the holes in a broken field. So England had to slow it down, but they didn't do that. And when they didn't do that, Scotland were absolutely mesmeric. They were wonderful. And England's defence looked terrible, and the old stats pack will say how many tackles they missed. But if every game of rugby is played with no structure then the missed tackles are going to be ten times what they are normally. In, ter- in terms of how much a team can improve, Scotland were the most injury-ravaged team of the of the Six Nations. So they'll go to the World Cup with the, with that, that team that did that amazing thing against England. They'll have Stuart Hogg in the team, Blair Kinghorn will be back, Hugh Jones will be <coughs> back at 13, uh, John Barkley. Barkley, yeah. Scotland will play Ireland in their key key group game in the World Cup. Who's going to win that? It, it, well, it depends if Scott, how Scotland's mental attitude has changed. What I've never liked in pre- post-match press conferences is when someone's been down 28-0, but the opposition coach comes in and says, oh, well, we got two tries at the end that shows the boys. So, hang on, no, you didn't get the team right at the start. And Gregor didn't get the team right at the, st- at the start. And it's easy to throw caution to the winds when you've lost anyway. But if they can start like that, and I absolutely love Finn Russell. He's aggressive. He talks a real good game. Uh, he, he revealed that he'd had an argument with Gregor. I mean, you know, blimey, the England and the England press groups would have hung him for that. And 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 I think Finn Russell ought to, ought to take charge. But but Gregor now has got a great chance to get everybody back and for them to be good. 
I'll tell you what, I think England should be given a bit of credit for going 31-0 up because they must have yeah. known they must have known the result of the Wales game and it must be a bit deflating to run out knowing there's nothing on the match, really. Yeah. There's loads of credit. They are brilliant with a ball in hand, but second half, they just, they just switched off. And the, the question, going back to Ireland-Scotland, is Joe Smith, you know, he, he'll be a bit worried about them ageing, just being a little less dynamic, but Ireland will not let this game be a fast one. So Scotland mm. are going to have to break it open. And if it's not a fast game, then Ireland will, against Scotland, who are not one of the biggest teams, they'll be able to control their game. And Sexton and Murray, if they've got their form back, will put them in the right place. And Finn Russell won't be able to come up with those conjuring tricks two metres from his own line. If he tries them, Ireland will suffocate him. So Ireland actually have a very good game to take on Scotland, I think. OK, gents. Uh, end of the Six Nations Championship. Team of the Championship. Barnsley, you've got the honour of guiding us through this. Give us your selections and, and we'll tell you how wrong you are. Start with the front five. Go on then. Uh, loose head. One of my favourites is Steve Nose, Rob Evans. He's come of age as a, as a, a scrummager as well as a rugby player. I've had two hookers in my team. One in the Times, one in the Sunday Times. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie George was my Sunday pick. Ken Owens and his leadership eclipsed him on Monday, so... You gave a Rory best? I don't know, he, he, he lost his Irish place. Uh, no, I'll go George there, just... I think Carl Sinclair, I don't care about the odd penalty, he is so dynamic, does a huge amount. Then, second row, the first guy who I'd be amazed if any of you disagree with is AWJ as skipper, and I think George Cruz has been so yeah. consistent, he yeah. deserves it. That's my front five. Everyone in the Times today went with your two locks of Cruz and, and Alan Wynn. Everyone did. I, I, I think Cruz has been underrated before. I think yeah. he's been a revelation this year. I, I, I just put in the word fact. Stuart McInally has been a great captain and a hooker. Unbelievably, my front five is, is, is the same as Barnes's. I had Tom so, Francis as my tight head. I thought he's been. I think he's been brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's the mo- most improved of, of them all, and he's given them an, a dimension. A little Sinclair. I'd, I'd, I'd stick with Sinclair. You've got to have someone in there from Battersea Ironsides. <laughs> Barnes, use your back row. I changed that as well, didn't I? Moriarty was my number eight in both Sunday and Dave, and Times. Tipperick was my open side in both teams. And I think he's the most underestimated player in this tournament. I think he's brilliant. I had Sunday, Tom Curry, who had a brilliant campaign. By today, having watched the games again, I just felt... Navidi actually, alongside Tipperick, is a little bit more balanced. It was very painful taking Curry out because he's gone extremely well and just shifting it forward. If England don't go Underhill and Curry as their two flankers for the World Cup, they're mad. I've got uh, Navidi, Curry, and Moriarty, and I think a couple of people have alluded to that possible combination of Underhill and um, Curry playing in the World Cup, like the Wallabies did with. Pocock and Hooper. Mm. That, that was our uh, Times and Sometimes columnist Sam Warburton who first mentioned that as the, uh, as did, the uh, future. You, it's funny though because all my all my indications from uh, Australia are that they're going to abandon that um, yeah. that Pocock and Hooper thing. So there we are. The pooper. The pooper. Yeah. Do I you think, not have Tipperick in? N- no. I didn't have Tipperick in. I thought Hamish Watson's. Yeah, he just didn't have enough game time. Steve, yeah, no, he's he fantastic. No, I, know. I, 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 I agree. If it was done from the last two weeks, and Hamish Watson would be in everyone's team. Yeah, he wouldn't be in mine. I'd still have Tipperick. Barnsley, who are your halfbacks? So no, this is the thing. The it's number it. nine was the hardest position yeah. of all because there was no decent nine in the championship. We chatted about this off air, and that's the real problem. 
Actually, there was. Ben Young's played really well. If you were Eddie Jones and you wanted a scrum half to just do to the letter what he'd been told to do. And he did that through thick and thin. When it went well, he played superbly. When it went badly, he was absolutely useless. I think Scrum Eddie's reliability, reliance on Ben Young's is, is one of his it, it, key his key problems going forward. It, it's been a, it's been an absolute mess of a selection for a long time, and the fact that he doesn't know what he's doing in terms of backup. It, it the Scrum half situation is awful for England, but we're talking about our team. So I'm going to go to Baldy because his pass is quick <laughs> off the base. He carries really well and put any of those other scrum halves in the Italian team and imagine them doing half as well as he did. So he's my nine. And then I went for Owen Farrell at ten. I questioned his captaincy, <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, people say, well, what about Anscombe? People forget Anscombe was dreadful against France. Farrell had a bad one at the end, but this is not about the last game. It's about the whole tournament. And, and Farrell, as you said at the top of the show, Owen, was masterful when England were on top. He was absolutely fantastic. And um, there are reservations, but as this team is going to be a masterful team that's dominant with Alan Wynne-Jones captaining and making all the key decisions, Farrell's going to be brilliant just as an out-and-out 10. I've, I've got um, DuPont, the French kid, at nine. And, yeah, not bad. And at 10, the... Um most influential 10 in the whole championship didn't have 10 on his back most of the time because that was damn bigger I got Finn Russell and I got Tim Finn Bo- Russell Tibaldi's great I got Finn Russell because I just, I, just, I just love his attitude I got Finn I got Finn Russell and, and Ali Price actually but yeah, I can oh, see Tibaldi as well but oh, Ali Price only played half the championship himself can I just himself. briefly say I too am a big fan of Finn Russell and I thought he was brilliant uh, against Ireland for 40 minutes too mm. so. I'll never forget the time where on Saturday the mass press room, which is a really big press room at Principality Stadium, full of Irish and Welsh um, journalists and photographers. The crowd scenes whenever Scotland scored were absolutely <laughs> disgracefully unbiased. I did my best to keep them down. <laughs> shut up. You were representative up. over there. I was. I said, shut up. I'm trying to work here. <laughs> Punching in the air. They were... At one stage, they all grabbed each other were dancing up and down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Barnsley midfield, please. I thought Alan Wynne Jones until now is the only one who's an absolute sir. My midfield cannot be tampered with. Hadley Parks has to play 12. Um, the eyes and the ears, and a lot more beside. And Jonathan Davis hasn't been at his best in attack, but he hasn't had to be. If he needed to, he would. His defence is brilliant. He reads the game well. One clearance on the left foot, 45 metres under pressure. World class. Jonathan Davis and Parks are absolute bankers. Yep, same here. Okay, I, I just thought Johnson ran beautifully, for the, so brilliant for that try. But I suppose you're right, Banty. I, I actually had Slade as my thirteen over yeah. Jonathan Davis. Well, listen, if you're asking me who's who would be my uh, Lions team or whatever, I think Davis is a better player than Slade. But Slade, I think, defended really well. I think people underestimate his, his defence. And as you said, Jonathan Davis didn't he didn't do a lot in attack. Wales didn't do a lot in attack, and Henry Slade did do a lot in attack. Barnsley, who's your uh, your back three? Uh, I got my fourth banker on the right wing. Johnny May, six tries and all taken well. I don't think anyone well. can disagree with that, can they? No. Rest no. of his game, brilliant. Um, and he can catch. He can do everything. Uh, I don't think anyone has agreed with my left wing, which is Jacob Stockdale, because Ireland faded away, but he was never less than superb. Uh, and my full back... That's a contentious one. Liam Williams gave one of the performances of the tournament against England. But Elliot Daly, you know, was 
he sparked so much creativity for England start to finish. And it, it, you know, if you three want to go Williams, I wouldn't argue that much, but I, I'll stand by Daly. I think he's one hell of a player. I, I don't disagree with Daly. The only thing to say about Williams is that you know, he, he, he diffused so many weapons in terms of box kick strategies mm. uh, blimey he's not even a very big bloke I just think it was amazing and t- just one more little point about that I mean um, George North Wales is their right wing they've got Owen Watkin on the bench um, so it's, it's like for like instead of doing that he moves his best full back in the championship to the right wing um, he, he, he switches his fly half even early mm. so he makes three changes when all he had to do was make one but by that time I think as I wrote in the paper if Gatland had brought on an old-age pensioner from the crowd and stuck him there, everyone would have said, oh, well, well done, Gat's really good. <laughs> so um, I thought it was bizarre, but even that worked. I've um, got Johnny May and Liam Williams, obviously. Doesn't Williams call himself the bomb diffuser? And uh, I've got Penno on the wing, actually. I had Penno in my team a few weeks ago. I think that's good. I Which think yeah, yeah, did, did you have Penno on the wing? Alain Penno. Did you have no, Penno on the wing? No, Jonesy. I had him in centre. Right. I had him in Which centre. is a position he hasn't played during this championship. No, I know. I know. Okay. Okay. If, anyway, you pick, if you have to have a Frenchman, then it has to be Penno, doesn't it? Yeah. So, great Grand Slam for Wales, but we cannot forget the other Grand Slam of this tournament, the other key Grand Slam, which was the England women's uh, Grand Slam. They were way ahead of everyone. Uh, they... Uh, dominated at Twickenham uh, to finish it off on Saturday. Uh, played after the uh, England game against Scotland. Uh, Hath, as you think the crowd should have stayed a bit longer. Well, if you've paid 100 and whatever it is quid for a ticket, and by the way, you can walk in for nothing once the England the men's game is finished, then you've got a champion team there. I think you should, should probably watch them. I think it's a bit disrespectful. And it's probably... They'd be better off, as you suggested, moving the Women's Six Nations and playing it like they did brilliantly at Exeter and grounds like that. We'd sort of discussed this before, and it seems a shame to have a really dominant Grand Slam winning team and then question the, the sort of nature of the contest. But, the str- but it's, the, the, it's not. The, but the very strength, though, in is the weakness. And, and I hear what Hathers is saying, but if I know that it's going to be 60 points plus, then really... Do I want to go and see that? I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to go and see the All Blacks play a team. And I love watching the All Blacks play, but if I know they're going to win by 70, I'm not going to go. And and that's the problem. And that, that's the problem with a women's game. We've got a team that is absolutely outstanding. Somebody's got to come and challenge it. Well, I bet, I bet Eddie Jones wishes he had that problem. For a, for a start, they should, they should find go back to Exeter or find another Exeter who can do that for the game because mm. the, the girls love that. Secondly, they're, they're a fantastic lot, dedicated, personable, they're brilliant in media mm. and, and they can play really well. Um, and they've got a monstrous regiment of great young players coming through. But B, are they too good? Uh, because it's pros against amateurs. Mm. And I think you're in the state where you should move the Six Nations, but also should you think of playing a three-test series against the French and um, work out that it's of no benefit to anyone until the other teams catch up to play the Six Nations. So you would suspend the Six Nations for a three-test series? Or? I, I think I'd give it a couple more seasons just to see who can pick up the pace. Then I'd be thinking, look, 80-0 is no good for us. Do we need to discuss God of the Week, or do we all, or Goddess of the Week, or do we all know exactly who it is? Gareth Adscombe. Kickoff of the game, the most perfect kickoff, gives George North a chance to carry the Irish defender into touch. Wales get a line out. The true God, Alan Wynne Jones, wins it. Two drives, and then 
Anscombe faces left, all of iron by it. He then kicks off the outside of his right boot, straight on. Hadley Parks knows it's coming. Last year, we'd have been saying that's Smith's technique at its yeah, most brilliant best. This was Anscombe executing for Gatland. And Gatland, he's got to be somewhere on the Rugby Olympus along with Edwards, hasn't he, too? Yeah. yeah. Well, my God of the Week is, is the aforementioned Sir Warren. I mean, he, he just got everything right from beginning to end. If if the championship for for on England's point of view has been how to prepare a team to win, which they get right and then they get wrong, Gatlin's just proved every week how to get it right. He gets it right all the way through. And he he said it from the world go. If they beat France away, they win the championship, didn't they? Yeah, he said that. That was, weeks all, ago. that was also at the yeah, aforementioned got, dinner. That Lions tour was a, a turning point in his career. He was a very good coach before then, but drawing that series in New Zealand with the Lions, come back. He's more confident in himself and he's gone up another level again and he's now one of the, if not the best coach in the world. He's fantastic. OK, so let's leave with one last question. If Eddie Jones isn't the England coach in, uh, in the Six Nations next year, as is highly likely, who would your England coach be? Gatland and Edwards. If Warren's available, uh, fine. If he's not, uh, I'd go to one of the England club coaches. If Gatland's not available, I would probably go for... Mark McCall but he wouldn't do it I think he should just be beating a path to Gatlin's door now yeah. Nigel Melvin knows him well enough doesn't he the thing is who's going to appoint him because the chief exec that's why it's a mess in place it's an that's absolute it's a mess. it reminds me of the time when um, Dick Best was approached to return as England coach and his quote was I would rather stick needles in my eyes than, than work for that lot on that cheery note <laughs> this was The Ruck thank you very much for listening uh, thanks uh, Barnsley Jonesy Hathers Dr Hathers rather sorry um, it's, been a, it's been a fantastic championship from all of us I think everyone would agree uh, we'll be back next week uh, thank you for listening Thanks for listening to the Ruck Podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle. And Funding Circle Ambassador Jamie George is with me. All right, Jamie? Hello. Hello. How are you? All good. Good, good. So away from Saracens and England duty, you are a business owner. And Funding Circle is a huge supporter of small and medium-sized UK businesses. How have they helped you? Yeah, so uh, I've got a business with a friend of mine. It's a physiotherapy business, effectively delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. And we've been looking to expand and grow the business as quickly as we can. And with the financial products that Funding Circle have done, we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access to the finance they need to grow since 2010. And they know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Jamie, can you do the honours? Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Six Nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six Nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply. 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk Okay.